this morning as we try to better understand that weapon that you've given to us in spiritual warfare called the sword of the spirit. What is that? And how do we use that weapon? And How do we be prepared for this spiritual war that we're in? Would you please show us God? In Jesus' name, amen. Um, we've been over in Ephesians 6 for quite a few weeks, and so let me just kind of remind you what we've been talking about. At the end of Paul's letter, he told the Ephesians to be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. So in God's, in God you will find strength, not in your own strength, not in yourselves, not in your flesh. Put on the whole armor of God. So God has armor available to us as Christians. That you may be, may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So the devil has schemes or strategies and he wants to knock you down. He wants to defeat you. He wants to trip you up. And now we make sure that you understand he's talking about a spiritual battle. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but power against rulers, against authorities, cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. So he speaks of there are people who are in positions to rule, authority, cosmic powers, spiritual forces of evil. So these are both can be human people, uh, human beings in places who have positions or it could be um, another layer of the spiritual realm, which would be demonic, satanic forces that are operating in this present darkness, which is referring to this world where we live. There's the visible visual that you can see, and there's the invisible, a whole other layer that you cannot see. And it's very important for us as Christians that we talk about both layers. And the world doesn't generally understand this. They just think, it's what you see. What you see is what you get. Um, there is no other realm. But we don't believe that. And as followers of Christ, we want to be very aware because we, there's an enemy in this realm who is trying to destroy us. And he is the one behind the evil that we see. And Paul says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God, like all these pieces of equipment that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. In other words, if you don't do this, you're going to fall. You're going to experience destruction or devastation. Stand, therefore. And he starts listing these six pieces of equipment, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, he's adding several more pieces, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, 
making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given me in the opening of my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which, for which I am an ambassador, that I may declare it boldly. So Paul is a great soldier. And he's very uh, equipped and very aware of this war. I, I'm not sure if you think of yourself as a soldier, but if you're a Christian, um, you should. Um, the old um, Baptist preacher Charles Spurgeon said to be a Christian is to be a, so a warrior. The good soldier of Jesus Christ must not expect to find ease in this world. It is a battlefield. And many people think of the world as a playground and where you can see how much fun you can have. But the scripture describes it as a battlefield. And that doesn't mean that there aren't many wonderful things we get to enjoy, and we do. And in God's goodness, He blesses us beyond measure. But even when we're experiencing the blessing of God, we must remember that we're still on a battlefield and there is a spiritual war taking place around us and we are in it. Um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said that the lie of the devil is to make man believe he can live without the Word of God. And Satan wants you to believe. You don't really need the Word. There's a lot of people that say, we don't need the Bible. We don't need the Bible. Don't bother me with that. There's um, young people, maybe they grew up in a church, and they're like, going, I don't want that anymore. I'm tired of that. I don't need it. Or there are um, professors that you have that say, you don't need that. What you need is um, this course in philosophy or or you need to go talk to your career counselor. That's what you need. Or you need to um, pass your grades and move on to um, graduate school and pay more bills. And um, There's all kinds of things. People say what you need is a good education. What you need is a good job. And there are people who really don't believe that you need the Word of God. And this book is the only reason we're here. You, you understand that? If it wasn't for this book, we wouldn't know God. We wouldn't want to praise God. We wouldn't know about truth. And we wouldn't be confused. And we would come up with whatever purpose. We wouldn't know it. We wouldn't really have any idea or concept for, of eternity. What happens when you die? The Word of God. Um, how did we get here from the Word of God? We'll find that out from the Word of God. Um, what does it mean to be male or female? We're going to find out from the Word of God. What does it mean to... Um, what is marriage? What is this purpose? What is this design it's from the Word of God? How should I live my life? Should I go for all I can get? Should I climb over anyone to get to the top? Can I murder, kill, steal? Does it matter? Does moral, do morals matter? Or one day will I stand before an almighty being who will evaluate my life? And that's why we're here today. I think you're here to see if there are answers, to find out what the answers are in this book. I think most of you, I don't know how, I don't know a percentage. I don't know who's actually a Christian or not. Um, the better I know you, the better idea I have of where you are. And the better you know me, the better idea you have of me. But I don't, I don't completely know. So I'm assuming every Sunday when I preach that I, I think there's probably some people here trying to figure this out, wondering, is that book relevant? Do I need this as part of my education in life? Do I need to pick up this book? Do I need to read it? Is it, is it really the Word of God that's a huge claim? That's a, 
It's a claim. Is this really the creator of the universe spoke this? Is Jesus Christ really the Son of God? Jesus Christ, a human being? Is he the Son of God? Is there a war going on? Is it real? Is it, are there e eternal consequences for the decisions I'm making? Does it matter if I sleep around? Does anybody care if I get drunk? Um, we have this book. And, th and this book tells us that we are in a war and we need to put on the armor of God. And we're today going to talk about the sword of the Spirit. How do we, for those of you who are here with me together, believing that this is an accurate portrayal of life, what is this sword of the Spirit about? What is that piece of armor? What is this thing that I can hold in my hand like a soldier and go into battle and attack? This is the one weapon that's clearly, yes, you can attack someone with a sword and you can kick them with your boot, but this is the one weapon, and yes, you can use the sword to defend, but the sword really is the one clearly offensive weapon that we, we have here, and it's very important we know because sometimes we're always on defense. We're always on the defense. And the Christian is not just always to be on defense. We don't just create a monastery and go hide there and build the walls higher and higher and thicker and thicker. We go out into the world. The gospel says go, go out. And not only go out with your shield up, but we're going to have to go out and we're going to have to um, oppose the enemy. We can't just ever be shielding off Satan's arrows. We've got to go claim some, some land. We've got to go claim some, some people, some souls. We've got to go win some souls. And so in order to do that, we're told that we're going to need this to know how to use this sword of the Spirit, okay? Um, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Well, we, we know what a sword is. The particular sword used in this, pa in this passage is not the long sword. It's not when we think of the um, big sword fights. It's more of a, a long knife. It's more of the sold sword the soldier would have here and pull it out, and it's designed for very close hand-to-hand -hand combat. From what I read, it was like a 20 to 24-inch sword, not the long sword that um, the, the knights of the round table or whoever, but more of the, the Roman sword was quite often the shorter sword. Physical, very physical engagement from very close encounter. You feel the, um, the way that this is to be used. Okay, and then I, I want to try to make a distinction between the sword of the... the um, the belt of truth, which we know to be the truth is God's Word, and then the sword of the Spirit, and how these two are related, but there's a distinct difference in how they're used. If the Word of God, from Genesis to Revelation, which we believe is the truth of God, this is the truth, the belt of truth is what is contained in the Word of God, and it is the Word of God that helps me answer all those questions I was mentioning a moment ago. I need the Word of God to keep my breastplate on and my armor on and my, um, all the, the equipment that I'm going to put on. I need the, the belt to tighten and secure. And that belt, what secures my life and what helps my life to stay together and keeps everything from coming apart. And um, everything is held together 
by the truth of God in this book. Is, thy word is truth. This book is truth. The truth of God's word is all the, the more I can learn and the better I can wrap this belt around me, the more information to think about all the content in this book. I, I study the Word of God. I read it. We, we preach sermons. We go to Bible studies. We read books. We, we meditate. We memorize Scripture. All this is getting this body of truth around me and building my life upon, and that is what holds my life together. Study, study, learn. But at some point, I've got to take one of those truths and use it. And that's the sword of the Spirit. I have all this available. But I have to learn to use the Word of God. I can't just ever be studying. I can't just tighten my belt all the time. What good is a, a soldier completely dressed who never goes out into battle? What good is your life to anyone else? How is your life affecting the world, the culture? What answers do you have for our culture? And what do you know of God's Word? Like, do you have a scripture for that? Do you have a verse for that? Do you, have a, uh, do you know how to use the weapon? you just one of those Christians just loves Bible study and reading and studying, but that's, that, folks, that's more about you. It's more about you than it is about other people. And if you want to be the right kind of soldier that does anything at all in the battle for God, you've, you've got to learn how to use your equipment and you've got to go forward in the name of Jesus. And there are issues in our day that people need to speak to. People are confused about their gender. They're confused about um, whether God exists and whether or not... Um, Two men can marry or two women can marry or they're confused about um, hatred and genocide and they're confused about um, governments and oh, so many things, so many things. And we go in our little corner and we study these things, but we're not in the game. We're not on the battlefield. No one's speaking truth. Speak truth. And this is the truth. This is God's truth. This is what we have to take to our culture. And so today I'm asking you, I'm challenging you to take what you're learning and figure out how to use it. Don't just have Bible studies. Take the Word of God in your Bible study. In your Bible study, you're training and you're asking questions and you're Debating this and discussing this back and forth. And that's how you're going to get better at using the Word of God. In the passage I read about Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, is Jesus is like the greatest swordsman ever in the history of the world. Like no one was more full of the truth and no one knew how to use it better than Jesus Christ. Jesus is the very truth Himself. He's the embodiment of truth. Jesus is the Logos. Jesus is the Word of God. Jesus is is the truth. He is the knowledge. He knew, knew, he knew the Word of God and he studied it. He loved it. He loved the Word of God. And so the first thing that we read in this passage and Jesus is beginning his public ministry right before he's baptized and then he goes into the wilderness in preparation for his public ministry. But in many ways his whole life 
had been a preparation for his public ministry. It wasn't, uh, Jesus didn't do a crash course in the wilderness right there. He had been on course the whole time. And he loved the Word and he studied the Word and he obeyed and he prayed and he, he met with God. He had a clear understanding even as a young boy of his relationship to the Father in heaven and he had an understanding of relationship to his mother and father. And he loved God. He loved the Father. They were one and there was a unity that had never before been matched by any other person. And so Jesus is getting ready to launch into his public ministry. He's been doing ministry. He's been doing private ministry. He's been ministering and the people who knew him knew something of this unusual young man and his love for God and his spirituality and he the way he treats his mom and the way he responds to his dad and the way he works in the little carpenter shop and the people that know him and his peers all had to figure out that he's really serious about God he's he's fun to be around I think Jesus would have been fun to be around I don't think Jesus was a Boring. I, I think Jesus could laugh and enjoy life. And He was the perfect embodiment of what you and I ought to be. He was everything we would want to be. And He was that. But one thing He was is He knew the Word of God. And so when He goes into the wilderness, after living this life that God had called Him to, the very first thing we read about Jesus is baptized. And he's beginning His ministry and He's baptized. And He says He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. He was led into the wilderness. Sometimes people end up in the wilderness and they think, that they wonder, how did I get here? But if you're walking with the Spirit of God, if you're disobeying God, you'll end up in the wilderness without God. And that's a terrible place to be. And then you just run back to God. But Jesus was walking with God and He ended up in the wilderness. So He was in the wilderness appointed to Him by God. He was in the wilderness because God had some things to do in the wilderness with him. And there's a distinction to make. If you're off in the wilderness because you've not been walking with God, then the first thing you need to do is run from the wilderness back to Jesus Christ and get as close to him as you possibly can. And some of you may be there right now. You maybe haven't been living for God or you've, you've got this uh, constant problem, this besetting sin, and you keep falling and you keep finding yourself in the wilderness away from God, it's because you've not been walking with God. But Jesus was walking with God, and Jesus was in the wilderness to learn more about God. He was actually led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. And therefore, He had to be strong going out. Had to be ready. He had to be strong. The camel is going to go on a long journey, needs water before he goes on the long journey. And But he's, if he's got water in him, he can go a long ways. Amazing, amazing how much water a camel can drink. And then it's amazing how far he can go. And if we're not walking with God, we can't go very far at all. But if we're walking with God, then the, simple, the thing we have to do is stay in step with God. Stay in tune. Walk by the Spirit of God, walk, listening, learning, feeding upon the Word of God. And therefore, whatever venture God has us to go on, if we are led by the Spirit, and Jesus was, He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And for 40 days, He was fed by the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit out into the wilderness, and He was fed by the Spirit in the wilderness. In other words, He stayed in communion with God, and He had no food. His food was not 
bread or fish or whatever he would have normally eaten. It was none of those things. He was now fed by the Spirit. So he was there ministering to the Spirit and the Spirit ministered to him all that he needed at that point because he is led by the Spirit that made it possible for, for him to be fed by the Spirit. And then he had this belt on. He had his belt on. He was already grounded in the Word of God. He spent his whole life being grounded in the Word of God. So Jesus was led by the Spirit Fed by the Spirit, grounded, grounded in the Word of God. He had his belt on and he, had, he knew how to pull his sword out. He knew how to use his sword even though he was out there in the wilderness. And so the minute Satan came and began lying to him, he knew how to use the Word of God. Because he had the belt on. But he also knew how to use the belt and turn it into the sword of the Spirit. He knew how to take the specific of all the things. It's amazing when you watch Jesus and you think about the Word of God and, and Satan comes along and he plucks a Scripture out and misuses it. And Jesus takes a Scripture and rightly applies it and destroys Satan's argument. Just like that. He was good. He was good. I try that sometimes and it backfires. Like, oh, man, I, I, that wasn't the best answer that I gave. Sometimes I go home and it's like, oh, Lord, I don't think I, I did so well. I don't know. Though. And I think about passages I could have said and could have said, like, man, I'm not near so good as Jesus is. But I'm, I'm learning. I'm better than I used to be, I think, as long as I continue to walk with the Spirit, right? Have any of you ever felt what it's like for someone who doesn't walk in the Spirit? To use the sword of the Spirit? The people that use the Word of God and they're not walking in the Spirit. That's what Satan was doing. It's, it's someone that uses the Word of God and they use it more like a hammer. And they're not kind. And they're not walking in the Spirit. And they're very proud. Very arrogant. Sometimes they have a huge following. Sometimes they to do whatever they need to do to scratch people's ears and what they want to hear. They just give them what they want to hear. They use a little scripture, but they're not walking in the Spirit of God and they create a false church or a big gathering and they tell people exactly what they want to hear and make people feel good, but that's not Jesus and that's not what Jesus wants us to do. In Hebrews chapter 4, there's another passage that uses the same analogy of the the word of god like a sword the word of god is a living and act is living and active it's like wow it's alive very powerful we need to know that have you ever seen that you ever seen the word of god do something that's like you ever see, you ever felt that you ever felt the word of god it just comes at you and it's like whoa you just feel convicted or excited or encouraged or like you've been exposed or healed or the word of god can do some amazing things have any of you ever watched the word of god work if you're a Christian, then yeah. It worked in your life. And it says that the Word of God, the Word of God is powerful, active. Like it's alive. It's a living Word, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of your heart. Have you ever been cut? you ever been cut? Anybody ever been cut? you ever been cut by the Word of God? you ever been cut by the Word of God? I hope so. I pray so. I'd, I'd like to do some cutting now. I don't want to be a butcher. I'd, I want to be a surgeon. 
I don't want to be a butcher and make people go off and bleed. And sometimes that happens at church. Some butcher gets a hold of the Word of God and they just beat people and create all these things of legalism or, or saying God. It could be on one extreme would be legalism where they turn the Word of God into this um, all, all about rules and it confuses the gospel where they could be... Uh, the fancy word is antinomian, anti-law, like do whatever you want, do anything, no law, just whatever, feel good about yourself. They can go, they can be a, either way, it's a misuse of the Word of God. But when the Word of God is being properly taught and applied, then people feel, sometimes they go, oh man, cut me. Cut me good. And that's what, in Acts chapter 2, that's what they said, is that, man, that cut me good. The Word of God came and Peter was preaching. He said, man, it cut him to the heart. What they were saying is, that cut me good. Opened me up and showed me things about myself. I don't know if you realize, but you and I have this ability to deceive ourselves. And we have an ability to say, oh, I'm this and I'm that. And the Word of God says, no, 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 you're not. And the Word of God cuts us good and it opens us up and says, here's what's in your heart. And we go, oh, oh, I thought I was so good. I thought I was a righteous person or I thought I was kind and loving and, and the word of God when it comes with power it cuts us good and the skilled surgeon of God and the Holy Spirit takes the word and makes a slice and says I'm, I'm here I want I need to show you some things in your in your heart and you're going oh I don't I don't want to see I don't want to say I don't want to go to a church that preaches like that I don't want to I just want to feel good messages I I don't I want I don't want you to cut me I want you to rub me I want a back rub I don't want a heart surgery I want to go to church. I want to back rub. I want to feel good. I want to leave church going, I felt good. I felt, I felt good. I feel so good about myself. Whatever I am, whoever I want to be, just tell me I'm good. Tell me I'm okay. Tell me I don't have to change. I don't want to change. Just rub my back and tell me, oh, you can do this. It's fine. There's no cutting. There's no cutting. And the Word of God is supposed to come and, it, and it, it's supposed to cut so it can be honestly a clean cut. A clean cut, a cut that can be healed. And the surgeon, the Holy Spirit, and the Word of God properly handled come, and it cuts us open. We're going, oh, Lord, look. Ooh, I don't like that. I see selfishness. I see lust. Ooh, I see I crave these things that aren't good for me. I see my lack of discipline. I see, Lord, I don't, I don't like it. But, but he says, I'm not, I'm not here. I'm not here to hurt. I'm here to heal. But we got to get that out. We got to get that out. I, that's what the, the God does with His Word, and that's what He wants us to learn to do. He wants us to learn how to do. He's like we're we're, on, we're His soldiers. And he says, "I want you to learn to take that Bible you've been studying so many years. You've gone to so many Sunday school lessons. You've done so many Bible studies. You've read so many books. How many verses were you telling all your friends you'd memorized?" How many times, you know, oh, I go to all these studies. I'm leading this, leading that. But are you, are you, good, with the, are you good with the sword? Are you, I, know you, I know you got a lot of truth. But are you using it to impact people's lives? Are you helping people find, like, hey, here's what I think. I'm an atheist. Do you have a response to that? Um... I think it's fine to have sex with whoever you want to. Do you have a response? Do you have a response from that? I know you, oh, well, we don't talk about that at church. We just, we just study some of the finer, we do word studies and we're into heavy theology. It's not very, we don't, we're not into practical questions. Like we're down to some deep stuff. 
Some people study, 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 and you're not good for anybody. And God says, I, I want you, out, in, I want you out, out on the battlefield. It, it's like the guy who's on the, on the sideline and he says, Coach, I'm ready. I've been trained. I've been at practice. I'm ready. Put me in the game. It's like, put me in the game, coach. Is that how you feel? You feel like you want in the game? Christian, you want in the game? You want, like, I'm ready. I've learned how to, I'm standing in the righteousness of Christ. I have on the, I have on the, the shield of faith. My faith is in Christ. It's not in myself. And I have the helmet of salvation. I'm saved. And I'm, I'm my thinking, I'm getting my thinking clear from the Word of God. And I have my, my shoes, my orders to go, make disciples of all nations. I'm, I'm ready to go. Put me in the game. I'm ready to take my sword and do some hand-to-hand -hand combat for your name and your glory. I'm ready to deal with some of the issues that are out there culturally. And I'm ready to, I want to be more useful to my, to my brother who's not a Christian. I want to help my, my parents. I want to pray for my parents. God, teach me how to respond when they, when they come at me. My faith. How do I answer my friends, God? In 1 Peter, 2 Peter rather, is the, or 1 Peter, I'm sorry, verse, chapter 3. You've heard of the word apologetics, apologetics. That's defending the faith. It's not about apologizing for being a Christian. It's about making arguments for why you're a Christian. It's like, no, I am, I'm, I'm defending my faith, what I believe in. And it says, in your hearts, honor the Lord. This is 1 Peter 5, 1 Peter 3, 15. In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord is holy. Always be prepared to give a defense to anyone who asks you the reason for the hope that you have. That's apologetics. That's defending your faith. That's telling, it's just simply testifying. Here's what I believe and here's why. Can, can you do that? Can you, can you defend your faith? And then it says, um, yet do it with gentleness and respect. I like that. Some people leave that part off. They just go, they just want to argue with people. There's a lot of Christians that are annoying and there's a lot of Christians that actually end up harming the cause of Christ. It's not what they say, it's how they say it. And they're like agitators or arrogant. And they actually hurt people. And yes, they may win the argument. But they lose the battle. Because of how they share their faith. It's not very kind and loving. and They don't really even care. They just want to eviscerate the enemy. They just want to destroy. It's like, I... You should have heard me with that atheist. I just, just demolished his arguments. I don't think that was the goal. I thought the goal was maybe to win him to Christ and defend your position and be sad. Be sad that you had to win the argument and, and, and care. And so let me just say this too. Uh, it says that um, in Ephesians chapter Six, it talks about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. 
So the Word of God, usually we think of the Word as Logos, the Word of God. Jesus is the Logos, John 1. Um, most, a lot of the times when it refers to the, the Word of God, it might be using one of the Greek words, Logos. But the word here is a different word, and it's the word rhema. And so the Logos just means the Word. Maybe think more about the written Word. And the rhema is speaking the Word. It's when you take that arrow out of the repository, you take out, out of all this and you pick an arrow, and then you, you speak that Word. It's a Word given from God for that situation. Felt that? Had that? Any of you had the joy of having God give you a word, and you're talking to someone, it's like, I, I didn't even remember that I knew that verse. You had that happen? You've been talking to someone, and God's just like, oh, God, help me, I don't know what to say. And He gives you, he gives you an arrow, and, and you shoot it, and it works, and it's like, whoa, that was awesome. And that's when you're walking with the Spirit, ready to be used by God, and He takes all the things that you've learned, and sometimes He just plugs an arrow, sticks it in your hand, and says, fire that. You go, oh, yeah, yeah, you get excited. And you, you, you fire the arrow and it works. And that's what Jesus did. He fired the perfect arrow to shut down Satan's argument. But also he fired the perfect arrow at the right time to save you. You have all these things in God's word and the gospel came and it's like it just went right to the heart. and It's just what you needed. And so that's what you have to learn. That's the skill that I want you and Paul is wanting you to learn as a Christian is learn how to take what you know and use it in a way that's life-giving and lie-stopping. Okay? That it gives life and it stops lies. And that's when you start becoming a good, a good soldier. Um, I think that'll work. Uh, so let me say this in, in, in ending. Uh, so if you're not a Christian and you're here, then I want to recommend I want to recommend Christ to you. I just want to tell you I love him. And when I was younger and I I went to church when I was young and I remember hearing about Jesus dying on the cross. And that I found that very moving. And I thought Jesus must be awesome. And I thought God must be amazing that He would love me and send His Son to die on the cross. But it took a while. I just thought Jesus was amazing and we sang songs to Him. But then I, I, I took some roads away from Jesus and I was more interested in being with my friends until one day I almost died. And that was the first time I understood how much I needed Jesus Christ. And I just call out to him and say, Lord Jesus, have mercy and save me. I need you to save me. And I don't know what your thoughts are about Jesus. Maybe you think he's really cool or smart or spiritual or amazing and worthy of worship, but you've never committed. You've never actually committed to him. And so I, I want to challenge you. If you've never committed to him, I want you to do that today. I commit to you, Jesus. Come into my life and be my king. Reign in my heart. Teach me. Lead me. I need you. I need you. I can't do this without you. I certainly don't want to die without you. I need you. If you're in need of Jesus today, can I encourage you? Just open your heart to him and just say, Lord Jesus, have me. Take me. 
I know what you did on the cross, but I've never, I've never applied that, appropriated that to my heart. I need you. I give my heart to you. There's a lot of different words you can use, but the basic thing you're saying is, come into my life. Save me from my sin. And be my Lord. And if, that, if you're ready for that, then as we sing, that's, what, that's all I want you to do. Your Lord, come into my life today. I'm ready. And then if you're a Christian, and maybe you have a lot of knowledge, and you've been studying, and so I want you to pray and say, Lord God, I want you to, first of all, increase my knowledge. I want to grow. But take whatever I have and start, help me to start using it on a daily basis. I want to make a difference in someone's life with the Word of God. So I just want, to, I want you to take what I have. I'm, maybe you don't know a lot or maybe you know a ton. It doesn't matter. Use me. Use me in this world, in this darkness. And teach me how to take... I might have a lot of arrows or just a few, but just take, take, teach me to use what I got. Put me in the game, coach. That's what you would pray. Put me in the game, Lord. Put me in there. There's people around me who don't know you, and I've been watching from the stands, thinking it's safer in the stands. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go on the battlefield for you and take what I have. I don't have a lot, but you can use, you can use me. Okay, that's the two, the two responses today. Take what I have and teach me to use you or come into my life. And as we sing, I want you to think about those and I want you to pray. What is the response you need to have to Jesus as we sing? Father, we thank you that you sent someone into our life and they knew how to proclaim the Word of God in such a way that we heard the gospel. And Lord, I don't know, maybe you're doing that right now. Maybe someone came in here today and they're seeking, they're seeking you, they're listening, and they just feel like they know that they need you. If you're here and you need Jesus in your life today, I just encourage you, invite, and just simply say, Lord Jesus, come into my life today. I've been wandering lost. And I want you to be my Savior. Help me start over. And wash away my sins. In Jesus' name. And if you're a Christian, and you're just thinking, Lord, I have all this truth I've been piling up, or maybe I have a little, maybe I have a lot, but whatever I have, I just want to commit it to you. Use me in this dark world to bring light. Help me to be salt and light in this world so that I can be like Jesus. Teach me to use the Word of God in the hand of the Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.